All right, everybody, welcome to the 363rd edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man. Sage kicking it live here, Beaverton, Oregon, ready to talk about the Blazers' very short week because of uh, in-game, in-season tournament. This has been such a strange season. I feel like they're almost on a football timetable. I'm like, okay, when it's not not game day today, it's not game day tomorrow. Like, there's been so many like two and three and even four day breaks in between games that I'm just really not used to it right now and so it's nice that we're kind of getting back on the three to four games a week schedule especially for me with college football basically coming to an end Mm -hmm. like i i need my my blazers basketball and really they have been playing um the the record you know it's not showing up in the win column and that's okay but they are playing some really fun basketball Right now, there were just two games on the week. Uh, they lost in the Bay last Wednesday to the Golden State Warriors, 110 to 106. And then this game was much closer than the score indicated. Uh, Portland got within a few possessions to the Dallas Mavericks, but ultimately fell on Friday at home, 125 to 112. Portland is now 6 and 15 on the young season. It's still crazy that. We're basically only 25% of the way through the season. They are 14th in the West, tied with Memphis for 13th. Uh, They have only won three of their past 10 games. But again, that's all right, because aside from the Oklahoma City disaster and opening night against the Clippers, every game has really been pretty competitive. And I think in a rebuilding season... Well, that's one of the things you all you can ask for. So I'm, I'm I've been pretty pleased watching uh, this this team play. What was something that stood out to you the most from this two week two game week of Blazer basketball stage? And I would like to also say we're just like there's certain teams that are just taking out their best players in competitive games. We're at least playing those guys starters minutes, and in some cases more than starters minutes. So at least we're actively still trying to compete in games, unlike some of the teams that are just absolutely tanking for a bad draft. Um, The thing that stood out to me the most was Anthony Simons. One of the things that we've always talked about is that he doesn't have the aggression going to the basket the way he should with his athletic profile and like the way he can just soar and use his athleticism. So I look before we started and I, I know a small sample size, but it's the entire sample size of Anthony Simons this year. But he has been driving to the hoop 14 times a game. And for comparison, last year it was six times a game. So he's doubled and, and then some his drives per game. And obviously, I don't think he's ever driven this much to the basket before in his life. So he still has like he needs to rep out what he's doing. But for this occasion right now, it's been a very good Tim driving the hoop has been very good for the trailblazers like in plays that should result in turnovers. It just results in missed shots. So it really does make this look really elite, but the way he's driving so often to the hoop makes me feel like, you know, he's basically taking Malcolm Brogdon's role. Um, Malcolm Brogdon drove to the hoop 14 times a game. Anthony Simons drives 14 times a game. And I mean, Giannis drives the hoop 15 times a game. So that's that's the type of player that we're talking about. So I, 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 when those two are healthy at the same time, which has not been 
the case much this season. Malcolm Brogdon has really been a corner sitter or a hash sitter and let Ant do his things. So I, I think that the the game plan for the Blazers was to let Ant cook by driving to the hoop more. And obviously, it, it's a good thing. His jump shot's so good that people close out. So if he if they actually actively close out on him too tough, he can drive to the hoop and finish because he's been doing that 14 times a game. So I, I, I've been really impressed with some of his decision-making. Some of it's been absolutely beautiful. Some of it's just been really lucky. It hasn't resulted in points for the other team. But right now, it's been a really, really, really safe play to let him just drive to the hoop and try and make a decision. Yeah, there were a few things you touched on that we could go in multiple directions with Ant. But let's first start with, I think the best thing about this podcast is we're realistic, but we're also, I think we have enough bravado that when we're right, we like to tell you we're right. But I think we're humble enough that when we're wrong, we own up to it. And I I think I was wrong about Anthony Simons in the future, in his role with, with this team. I think the the Blazer brass was incredibly patient and uh, forthright in keeping him on board because I, I think it's really important and we'll, we'll get to Scoot Henderson later on in the episode, but while Portland still figures out what Scoot Henderson is or can be or might be, there's no sugarcoating it he regardless of the age regardless of the sample size he's he's struggling uh quite a bit this this season so for the blazers to keep anthony simons i I think makes a a ton of sense because you're really looking at you know disregard the 2023 draft for a second like if you're just looking at it right now you're looking at a player that could be if just one of the all-time great backcourts Mm -hmm. with Simons and Sharp and you know they've they're already starting to get a little bit more of a chemistry that I did not think existed last year in times it almost looked like Simons was freezing out Sharp last year but with Ant taking more of the Lillard mantle of you know you're featured more prominently both on and off the court in promotions and with responsibilities uh and I think with Shaden's just unselfish nature It's really led to a lot of great two-man play between those two players, you know, specifically even just in the first half against the Golden State Warriors. Ant's first game back from injury, you know, sharp drives and sucks in the defense and he's hitting Ant for, you know, open threes. And that, like, I've been watching a lot of old Blazer games because YouTube took them down, but there's a a creator who's re-uploading them and some ones that I just, I've never seen before. And... Terry Porter may have been the point guard on that team, but Drexler was the guy with making the, a lot of decisions uh, on, on that roster and leading that team. And that's what I'm seeing from, from Shaden is he's able, he has three level scores who you talk about going to the basket. He's not afraid to go to the basket and teams have to collapse on him. And Ant is so good at finding the open spots. He's got such a quick release on his shot that he doesn't need much space, right? He's one of the elite off ball shooters, catch and shoot. What we're seeing in a limited sample size, I I want to, I can't overstate that enough, what we're seeing in a limited sample size between Shaden and Anthony, I think is what a lot of people wanted to see and wanted to believe could happen between Damian and Anthony. Mm -hmm. But I I just think Shaden is 
He's an unselfish player by nature, and he's not going to force the action. He's going to find the open player. So that's the first thing that I wanted to talk about. Like, I think it's very smart. They kept Anthony. I think it allows you to take your time with Scoot Henderson. It allows you not to rush him. And my other point with Ant is the defense I noticed was improved. I'm not going to say he's going to make first team all defense, but when you watch him out there, he's fighting like his ass off. He's trying to go through screens. Like he's, posting up defenders like he's he's not the sieve that he once was and i distinctly remember on opening night you know you're listening to national podcasting oh boy that that scoot shade and anfernee it was small sample size but they just got cooked by the clippers that defense is not going to work i saw plenty of lineups that had blazers going small with those three guys together and they were more than holding their own against a very formidable offensive opponent in the Golden State Warriors, probably the most difficult team to defend with all of their off-ball and cutting action, their constant motion, and of course their marksmanship from downtown. And that is going to be key. If the Blazers can just be a neutral defense with Scoot, Shaden, and Anthony on the floor, that is the path forward for that trio. And I don't think anybody's concerned about Scoot's defense. I don't think anybody's concerned about Shaden's defense long-term. It was always Simon's. Can he play passable defense? Can he use his athleticism, his quickness? He's got pretty good length for his size. Can he use that to just be a solid defender? And, you know, right now, all you, I text you, I was like, what do you think of Ant's defense? You're like, I actually haven't noticed it. And I think that's like the first step in the progression that okay like it usually when someone's a bad defender you notice it and usually when someone's an elite defender you notice it but if it's not noticeable that's not a bad thing where you're coming from in terms of the starting point for for simon's uh defensively so if he can take that to heart you know all all times you hear broadcasts and and team reporters you know say oh my god have you seen sean kemp this offseason he just shredded 15 pounds looks like the rain man from old and he comes to training camp and he looks bloated and overweight this time, it seems to be a little bit true. They, they kept talking about how Anthony Simons took the defensive criticisms to heart, and he looks like he's making much more of an effort this time around. And for a 24-year-old who still is under contract for you know a few years at a manageable rate, uh, it's, it's a beautiful sight to behold. Because if you really want to make the trio work, if you really want to see Ant long-term, I thought you know defense is where he needed to to kind of make his his first mark. And I was really I was really happy. You know, I was watching the game. And I was like, this is the Anthony Simons that I, I really wanted mm-hmm. to root for. Like he, there were a couple of times where he got ISO heavy down the stretch and, and, and I'll get into that. But for the most part, the shot, I didn't have a problem with the shot selection. It wasn't dribble the ball into oblivion. He's trying on defense. Like I can start to see the path forward uh, for, for that to work. Yeah. I mean, if, if the Scoot Henderson, Anthony Simons, and uh, Shaden Sharp trio is a net neutral defensively, there's such a net positive offensively that it we're it's we're going to have a winning culture and team in, in those times when those three are together. And like, yeah, I, I didn't notice him screwing up defensively. So like net neutral is all I'm asking for, but with his athletic profile, if he really wanted to be a defensive hound, he absolutely could be. He's one of the most that like, we have the, one of the most athletic 
backcourts in history with Scoot, Shaden, and Anthony. Like that that doesn't exist in the 1970s. Like, you know what I mean? Like this is this is special in terms of athleticism. So if if Ant can be the uh, be just a net neutral defender, we're not asking for much. And if he's putting in the effort, that's great. It's just you know, it, it it it's it's just repping out stuff. It's just repping out how they those three can work offensively. I mean, yeah, like I I think since Anthony's back, it it makes life easier for Shaden, who had to had to have some point guard responsibilities with Skylar Mays being the only ball handler for a few weeks. So this really just lets him react and be able to play good solid offense and defense. So I'm, I'm really happy with how Anthony's performed and, you know, like, yeah, he, he takes a lot of shots because he's made a lot of shots. I would rather, I would rather have Anthony take 20 shots than a uh, Tumani Kamara taking 20 shots and going six for 20 or whatever his his stat line was like, I think the Blazers trust him so much that they give it to him in sub like really, really bad situations for him where it's basically just a hand grenade and, they're asking him to do something with it. So, yeah, I've been really happy with Anthony Simons. And I was I was really happy with them game one. It's just him. You know, he's a little older than our two young guys. But, like, he's also learning. He Damian Lillard, with how much of a usage monster he was, affected Ant in his development as, you know, a, a, a guy going downhill. Like, so it's his time to spread his wings a little bit. And right now I've been very excited with what he's provided uh, on the court for us. 100%. And moving on to my next point in regards to Simon's returning Shaden's kind of breakout campaign. Clearly you need minutes for your number three overall pick to develop. Mm -hmm. And then you've got Kamara and Thibel really taking up a bunch of those three, four minutes Chris I, Murray getting some 20 minutes a game too. I I think it's pretty, we have to be imminent when it comes to Malcolm Brogdon and, and moving on to another destination because you're not going to, one, you don't want to risk injury like what happened with Robert Williams III. Two, he's not going to be able to showcase himself with, with everyone healthy. Like it, he already had. Yeah, I mean, no, more, no more Malcolm time. And, and three, like, I think his value, like, there's a certain limit to peak value, obviously. I think Brogdon has hit it. Like, I don't think he can play any better. And so the only way for him is to kind of come back down to earth a little bit. Yeah, there's going to be negative regression in his playing. And clearly, you don't want that. You want to, yeah. you know, obviously, you know, buy low and sell high. And just with the minutes that you, you need to give to those three young guards, and you've already got defenders on the wings. It, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense for me. And I think Malcolm probably at this stage in his career would like to play for a contender. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, I think there would be no shortage of teams um, looking for his, his services. So I, I think that needs to happen. I don't know if they wait until the deadline in February, but I would do it sooner rather than later. I mean, we we're talking about playing competitive basketball, the Blazers are doing this even without Jeremy Grant and DeAndre Ayton. Mm. Like that's how much gravity that Simons has. That's the development and, you know, enhancements in Shaden Sharp's, you know, offensive game. And that's just what you're, you're getting, you know, Matisse is shooting the hell out of the ball. You're getting great play from Jabari Walker and Dwap Reith. Like you're, so- you're playing competitive and that's, that's, you don't need to win games. You just need to play 
competitive basketball. And that's the, that's what they're doing. So to me, it's just like, I there's just not a need. And I thank Malcolm for, for his time. But I mean, do you see any positives for, for keeping him? It just At this point, it just feels like, you know, when you have like a, a QB room, there's just one too many QBs mm-hmm. in there. One of them's going to transfer out. Like there's not enough food on the table for all of them to eat. Well, I, I think I agree with everything you're saying, but I don't think the Blazers are like with injuries. We knew that DeAndre Ayton was doubtful for like a full day. We knew Jeremy Grant was out. I knew that he was out yesterday. The last time the Blazers played, Malcolm Brogdon was still questionable until the very last second he could be out. So it makes me think that the Blazers still very much value him and want him to play when like that Friday, it was a two day break. So why, why force him to play? But he was just questionable, questionable. Like at the, the noon injury report, he was questionable. The other two were just definitely out. Like, I I still think the Blazers want him to play. I think it, it would be wise for us to start finding a place for him. Cause like, even if he continues his great play, there's no way that he can continue that like max level Brogdon be the superstar. I mean, it, like with Anthony Simons on the floor, Malcolm Brogdon stayed in the corner. So it it's his points are going to drop off immensely. So I think it would be smart for us to just be like, bro, stay healthy. That knee that you injured is let's just make it a hundred percent. But I keep feeling like Chauncey Billups and that staff, like they're 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 really, really precise with like Jeremy Grant being out, DeAndre Ayton being out. Where the hell is Malcolm Brogdon on these injury reports? And then he ends up out. So I it's just something that makes me feel like this team may what's best for them is to trade them. But I think that they're going to try and force it to happen for a few games. Yeah. It feels like they're playing with fire a bit. I mean, clearly there's a reason the trade was rescinded between Mm -hmm. the Clippers and the Celtics because Malcolm Brogdon couldn't pass a physical. He has a a history of injuries. He's already been, this is the second time he's been dinged up and especially like hamstrings. Like you do not want to mess with those. Um, I thought it was a knee. First one was a hamstring. Yeah. This one was a knee. Yeah. And it's just like both. He has body. no athleticism to give up. Zero. Yeah. It's just. He's on the, he's on the edge of being athletic enough to be in this league. You yeah. can't risk it for. Like you're not going to, you're not going to um, extract two first round picks. Like one first round pick is maximum Malcolm value. And I think you have that right now. Um, so I, I, I hope Joe Cronin does the right thing it's not like we're sitting here fighting for home court advantage and we need you know extra veteran help like mm-hmm. we're okay there scoot shade and ant there's plenty of minutes to go around for those three you've also you know are, are getting a lot of production frankly from a second round draft pick in kamara a castaway in matisse Thibel, and a first round draft pick in chris murray that like the, the roster is deep like you mm-hmm. can You've got good, solid players that can go out there and play really good basketball. Um, I would the- like us to, if, we, if and when we trade Malcolm, let's get a backup point guard in return just for those times when we get hurt and I don't get to, you know, watch Skylar Mays play 30 minutes of point guard for this team. But like, Malcolm well, we Brock and We have four draft picks next draft. So I don't think we can get one there. 
Yeah, but that those draft picks don't play now. You know what I mean? Like, if we if we got like a backup player and a first round pick, that's awesome. A, a overpriced backup player because contracts are a thing, and, and a first round pick, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that he's really like Malcolm Brogdon has definitely improved. Shaden Sharp for for sure, like the the veteran presence. But now that Ant's back, he demands a lot of usage. The all the usage that Malcolm Brogdon had, yeah, essentially, Shaden deserves a lot of usage as well. And I think clearly Ant returning was the big storyline. But like Shaden Sharp's been been cruising. Like he has just been playing incredible basketball. Was a finalist for Western Conference Player of the Week last week. His last four games look absolutely ridiculous. You're looking at 26 points per game on 55% shooting from the field, 47 from three, 83 from the line, seven and a half boards, nearly five assists per game, a steal per game. Remember those 10 turnovers against the Lakers? Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of that ball responsibility is being shifted and he's now being able to play comfortably. He's only averaging two turnovers per game. I'll take mm-hmm. a, a five to two assist to turnover ratio any day of the week for my for my off guard. And he's doing it in 39 minutes per night. I just when you watch him play, just appreciate what you're getting because the 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 number one thing when I watch a, a young player specifically, and 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 all the, the great players have this. You watch it and you're like, one, the game is slowed down for them, and two the dude just makes it look effortless and easy. Like he's, he's so under control. He doesn't force shots, especially with Simon's back in the lineup. He's unselfish. Uh, He just, he just makes winning basketball players. There was one play that kind of stuck out in my mind in that warriors game. He receives the handoff from Malcolm Brogdon right in front of the Blazers bench about the three point line extended on, on the wing. And he has momentum and he could use his athleticism to probably snake around the defense, maybe put up a layup, maybe stop and then and go up vertically because he has that explosiveness. But instead, he probes all the way underneath through the defense because of all of those uh, tangible assets that I talked about his athleticism, his shot making ability. The defense kind of caves on him and he spots Chris Murray wide open in that short corner, three points. Uh, rack up an assist, you get Chris Murray going. Like it's just plays like that where he's not forcing the action. Like Chucker and Shaden Sharp. Oh, he's the most efficient player. Do not like they're in complete opposite sides of the spectrum. And so, like looking, I and I was was looking at the stats and I'm like, you know, good lord, like he is filling up the box score. And I, I, the last Blazer to really do that was Clyde Drexler, right? You, you putting up nearly. 25 points per game you're grabbing you know you're you're in that almost triple double watch on a nightly basis and that, that was that was Clyde and like his numbers you know Clyde got drafted when he was 21 years old Shaden is still 20 he's putting up even better numbers than second year Drexler right now and that is you know very good company to be with Drexler was an all-star in his third season um, another reason that I would I would like to continue to make more room for for Shaden Sharp and you know clearly I think having Simons on the floor helps him is let's make a push for Shaden to get that most improved player because he is he has to be a candidate the way he is really broken out from his you know he, we all saw that ten game sample size and there were a lot of naysayers and now he's really starting to put it together and you listen to the opposing announcers and again I can't stress enough if you have league pass. It is worth the 15 bucks a month. You can just really take your time, watch games, 
watch the opposing feed and see how they talk about your team. That's when you're going to get the most, you're going to get closer to the truth about your team is what others have to say. Well, don't listen to the Warriors game where they kissed our ass because they're also awful too. One thing you mentioned Drexler and I just have to say like Drexler had like 10% more opportunities and usage than Shaden. The the way the amount of efficiency that Shaden has is just amazing because he's doing it on like a role player's responsibility and usage when Drexler was putting up similar stats it was like he was you know the alpha of the team he was at he, he was the most responsible he was the most responsible player now he's Shaden's putting up these stats and he's at best the second best guy on the in terms of usage he has the second most responsibility but you know when Jeremy Grant comes back he's going to have a huge stay in in the the role of the team same with DeAndre Ayton the fact is that Shaden Sharp's doing it from like a Josh Hart amount of you know touches and putting up these stats is even more remarkable so when we you know turn that level up to 10 for Shaden Sharp like the fact that he can be a little bit more uh, creative with his touches because I'll get more is just going to be more and more interesting. Literally, he's doing it on the same amount of touches that Tumani Kamara got last game. Like it, it, it's not that much. He's doing it. He's doing all this stuff offensively with not that much responsibility. That's what's really amazing. Clyde was the guy. Shaden's second at best on this team. You're muted. I think that's what's really fun about this season is you look at a team like the Minnesota Timberwolves, small market, but they take this this young, athletic, explosive guard first overall in 2020. And you can see the progression year over year over year. And Aunt Edwards made that leap year four. If you're Portland, you can kind of start to see a similar path that if your guy hits the ceiling that he could hit having like all throughout basketball. Yes. Big men are important, but six, five to six, nine players who are athletic freaks that can play both ways and can create for themselves and others. Like that's, that's gold. You have that you are you are in a major head start in, in the race, and so just continuing to watch Shaden grow and develop, um, I'm really excited to see how it works with the other two guards and Scoot and, and Anthony and how they all can kind of start to mesh and gel and just take the baby steps because even at the end of the season, it's not going to be a finished product. Like the best Blazer teams usually had a lot of chemistry with one another and that takes multiple years mm-hmm. of of experience and again if you're able to defend you can get away with playing you know a smaller lineup and the aggression at which we defend is also pretty impressive like we're they've, they've suffocating I, I put in my notes portland's suffocating on ball defense it's it, it is it's they, they switch probably a little too much oh the definitely yeah but they're but, aggressive the effort is there and they may not make the right defensive switch on the second or third, you know, when you're passing a defender, uh, uh, the, the offensive players moving along the court, but 
that initial like okay like we're switching i got like they're communicating like they're not going to get you know fully to the second and third you know rotation through an offensive player but that first that one, takes time and trust yeah they're, they're they're getting there and i think that's important they're picking up players you know 94 feet and they really had the warriors shook for 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 quite a while and the one thing that i will say is i think the blazers are close i just i don't know if chauncey is we say shaden's the guy i don't think chauncey is the guy and he's we've made it pretty clear that we don't think he's the guy and I, from I think, day one to day now and i'm always trying to be open-minded always trying to evolve with with what i'm seeing and there's just little things that I see from him from an X's and O's perspective. I'm just like, I, I don't think it's there. Like a great coach is a great X's and O's coach and a great motivator. You have to have both. It, it just doesn't work when you only have one or the other. And I don't think you can. What do you think he's better at? He's better at motivating. You can just watch the the young players out there. He's got his quote unquote, his and Cronin's guys. I mean, really only Amphrony is the only holdover from Terry Stotts. You know, they've clearly worked together for the past three years, got a roster of young athletic players that can go out there and compete. And they are competing like that. There's there's no um, I guess my whole thing about the motivation was like, I, I just remember how. I, I I guess not this year, but last year, how he got Yusuf and Nasir just like there was guys that he just couldn't motivate. But I guess I can't put that perspective in for this year because it is mostly his guys, but man, the way he just didn't empower use of it all, it just sticks out to me. But yeah, I guess that he is empowering his guys, but you know, you can, you can also be a, you know, empowering to the people that aren't, you know, your, your guys as well. Yeah. I, I mean, I, the X's and O's, I just feel like we're, a high school team playing against NBA teams and we're just of a couple of steps behind other teams. And, and I think that needs to be corrected. Like, especially in that, that warrior game, I specifically like in my notes, I wrote like coaching blunders because there were, there were plural. Like, I think the game turned in that third quarter when he decided to leave Curry on an Island and, and Curry just started cooking, mm-hmm. you know, Chris Murray and Jabari Walker. And like, they contested it, but he got so much space off of that step back. Mm-hmm. That he hit two or three threes in a row. And yeah, the Curry our, slot got him a lot of space. Our 12, 11 point, 12 point lead was gone in the bottom of the eye. And there mm-hmm. nobody else from golden state, maybe outside of Moses Moody. Was, yeah. Moses was like, clay was like two for 10. Anything. Clay couldn't hit the broad yeah. side of a barn. Clearly, you want Draymond to shoot. Wiggins has been having a pretty rough go this season. No, he's like, been the worst player in the league. Not rough go. Um, Chris Paul has been would, awful. Shooting. I would have liked to have seen the greatest shooter of all time not get single coverage mm-hmm. by you know, first and second year forwards. Um, so I thought that was a pretty poor defense. Um, I also is he thought, in charge of the defense though, or is that Roy Rogers? Everything is should be the head coach's responsibility like yeah but i I think roy's the defensive he can take roy's suggestions and not do it but the response the the results and responsibility should all fall on the head coach like when if you're a manager and you're working with you know your you know your team the successes and failures like you know you yeah but with this the staff is so important but like you have to he has a shitty staff 
then he needs to, if he's the defensive guru, like that's what I'm saying. Like you have to, you can't look at Steph Curry and say, yeah, I'm, I'm I think that's a good idea. Let's no, him... it, it was the, it's, it was the stupidest strategic decision that you can do, but Chauncey Billups deserves it. Also, Roy Rogers definitely deserves some, sure. I, some, I some think blame on about that. Billups, it's an indictment on him and his, and his whole staff. Like I think Portland could use an upgrade in, in the coaching staff department. I don't think many Blazer fans would, would argue that. I mean, we're using the worst offensive head coaches schematics and aren't we like top five worst teams in the, the league in offense and defense is a lot no, easier. No, no, no. We, because... we, we, we averaged 105.5. That's dead last in, in the league. Offensive rating 106.3 dead last in, in the league. Yeah. Defense, you have unlimited steps to make a play. Unlimited. Offensively, you have two steps to make it after you lose your dribble. You could. You, it's a lot easier to create a good defense and a good offense in this league, and we are dead last in offense. So that entire staff's. And I, I think when the game, I think when the game tightens up and get kind of gets down to crunch time, like you really saw, basically Steve Kerr versus. Chauncey Bowles. Portland went right into Golden State's hands. And and I know they were playing good defense, but I didn't think you could play Kamara and Thibel together down the stretch. Golden State just forced way too much action their way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also think there was just too much ISO. Like, Shaden Sharp did not get an attempt, a field goal attempt over the final 532 of action. Like, he was the most efficient player on the floor that night and to not run any sets. And I was the whole game. He was running some nice, you know, flare screens, you know, off ball screens, getting Shaden involved in the pick and roll. Like they were getting him involved, but like, it's almost just like he freezes up in, in the second half of the fourth quarter. And it, it was just like too much. ISO. it was just Anthony. That's when kind of like the old Simon started to rear its head and not giving him entire blame for that. But it was, was, ISO, 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 and you got that's that was the game. I mean, the last uh, the last five minutes was an eight zero, and uh, negative eight for us. So they beat us by eight points, and man, yeah. I mean, shout out to Scoot for actually playing the entire fourth quarter in that game. The last blunder I have. You got to call timeout when you see your player falling out of bounds, like. Or Tumani's got to like it's not all on Billups, like, but Tumani's got to throw that ball up, or like that 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 basically reset the shot clock. It allowed Steph to hit that dagger, and that was the game. Um, tough one to lose because you wanted to win that to lower Golden State in the standings, but um, I did see a lot of good besides. Besides Shaden, besides Ants, I enjoyed the small ball lineups with Jabari um, as a small ball five uh, surrounded by switchable defenders. Mm. Uh, the, the big, big body Bari is here this year. He definitely bulked up and I just I'm seeing more and more from him. He's an absolute terror on the glass. Like he just rebounds his heart out, but he's also showing like additional like skill. And I'm not saying rebounding isn't a skill, but like he had a grab and go where he took a coast to coast 94 feet for a layup in traffic and 
like Jab- like Shaden and Jabari were the two players that the the Golden State announcers just could not get enough of. And I've been incredibly impressed with Jabari. He continues to shine in either the the small ball five or just the traditional four. But I think even when Aiton and uh, Jeremy return, there's still a spot in the rotation for him. Oh yeah, it just needs to be more. We, when those two are there, it's kind of like Bari gets 15 to 24. It needs to be more uh, like they need to plan to put Jabari in instead of just throwing him in. And I get that you want to have the stretchability with uh, Reethan to stretch the floor, but Bari just plays with a passion that you kind of just you just need to have on the court. He he his size just really upsets opposing defenders like he he is the one that's the irritant not uh tumani like jabari with how physical he is and jabari knows how to defend with his hands which is a huge thing for us jabari is the like one that you know i could see opposing like draymond would push jabari or 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 something instead of uh tumani i really enjoy what uh, jabari does physically with his body the one area I'd like to see Jabari improve upon is finishing around the rim. Um, one of my first notes for the for this recording was Scoot Henderson needs some finishers around him because he's he had a couple where he's spoon feeding Jabari and they're just not getting there. And that, that, again, that's why you don't just look at a box score and make a judgment uh, on a player. I thought clearly Scoot is sh- struggling shooting the basketball, but he's getting open looks for others mm-hmm. and he's getting downhill in the open court. I, I, I really think Deandre being out is probably a big negligent uh, for, for scoot in his totally. development, like not having that big body center. That's, you know, going to catch everything around the rim, going to finish everything, you know, a lob threat, a mid range threat. You know, we started to see them build chemistry in Detroit before scoot had that ankle injury, unfortunately, and then when Scoot returned, you know, DA's been on the on the mend. So their timelines just haven't really aligned. And I think that is the, the pairing that, you know, as we go into the new year, I want to see more information on that pairing. Like, is it is it viable? Dog. Is it, is it gonna work out? But we Scoot, just unfortunately we haven't seen Scoot, it yet. Scoot uh his potential assists is 10 a game. The fact uh, like that's off the bench. Yeah, like that's LeBron James level of potential assists. His teammates just aren't really hitting it for him. Like he's passing the ball. Like his passing numbers are absolutely insane. It's just that he right now he isn't shooting particularly well, but he's still putting up points in 20 minutes. You know, he he's still doing his thing in 20 minutes. So it's like the whole him being a bust is kind of crazy, but he's his, his passing numbers are amazing. It's just, his teammates aren't hitting the shot, so it doesn't uh, result in anything statistic-wise except potential assists. So, he, I mean, he, what you said about finishers is real. And I also think with his go-to-the-basket mentality, we need to have a guy in the paint to, when when the rotations happen, we need a guy in the paint to just get the rebound and score really easily because when Scoot drives, everybody collapses. So it's an open rim. When he goes up, when the ball goes up for a rebound, it's an open rim. I, I feel like DA would eat on Kobe assists. 
you know, when Kobe drove to the rim, missed it, and uh, the a Laker teammate would score, that's a Kobe assist. Scoot Henderson could feed a lot of people on Scoot assists driving to the lane and missing, and then they get easy points. Yeah, I think it's important to continue to bring Scoot along slowly. You got to really build his confidence and not let him lose it. That's one of his biggest attributes is his his bravado, mm-hmm. his charisma. You know, he is a very confident young man. And I, I think over the past two games specifically can really start to see, I think, the shooting wear on him a little bit. Um, you're starting to see him. And I somebody on the message board um, pointed this out. And then I watched the, the game closely. His mechanics look awful when he's shooting right now, especially from his base. Like he's doing like one one legged runners on a couple of attempts. He's just not getting set up. And I think he needs to. I think that the the lack of success shooting the basketball is impacting him and just the basic fundamentals. I think he just needs to kind of take a breath, go back to the fundamentals. And his shot doesn't look bad when it's confident. It just no, misses sometimes. It doesn't, but he's just got a lot of inconsistencies with it. And as you know, at the NBA level, just consistent muscle memories is what's mm-hmm. going to get that ball in in the bottom of the net more times than the not. And I just I think the more little wins you can give him, and if that's you know a fast break, if that's you know, driving and getting somebody uh, an open look, because this kid's not a bust. I, mm. I refused. First of all, it's ridiculous that we're that there's even topics about this. He's he's 19 and has played in less than 20 NBA games. Let's really I know we are in a knee-jerk society where everyone's trying to fire off a hot take, but let's really check ourselves here. Scoot Henderson, I challenge anybody to watch the summer league game against the Rockets. That well, they think Bryce like Young's a, a bust too after you know three fourths of a season. That's the, that the society like, we're in, where you know they don't give them time to develop. Bro, guess how many minutes Anthony Scoot and Shaden have played together like, on the court? I was just saying, like, if you look at that that real quick that summer league game, that was an NBA All Star caliber player. Like, that's what Dame did. That's what Brandon did. Like, you you saw him. He had total command of the offense hitting mid-range, driving the basket with somebody on his hip, like making the right read, hitting his three ball. Like I think right now for Scoot, it's all mental and he just needs to build that confidence because the skill set is is there. And I think once he starts to get confident in his game, the game the game will start to slow down and he'll know when and where to use his athleticism. Um, he probably hasn't played too many minutes with Shaden because he's been hurt, you know, missed, I think, you know, almost five Five, seven games. Guess how many minutes the starting five has played together. We've what starting five? Anthony, Scoot, Shaden, DeAndre, and uh, Jeremy. Zero. Yeah, yeah, zero. Isn't that a problem? It, they've played the the guards have played forty minutes together. The starting lineup has played zero minutes together. That's a that's going to be an issue when uh, you're trying to compete. You don't have the five, four best players, five best players playing together. That's a complete and total issue. So, like, yeah, you're, you're seeing Wimbenyama playing amazing. You see Chet playing amazing. Guard is so much different than playing as a big that gets spoon-fed everything. He has to set players up. He has to run and initiate an offense. And obviously, Chauncey Billups ex- expected him to be 
Chris Paul day one, second one. And that was just unfair to him. So, no, I, I, I even think he's being a star in his role now where he's getting assists and points in 20 minutes. So, no, I, yeah, the, the bus thing is just people have to be a little bit more patient. Not everybody's LeBron James day one. You know, like Tyrese Maxey wasn't this good rookie year Philly or Halliburton was not this good rookie year in Sacramento. These Some of these players take a little while to develop and it's been like 20 games and zero minutes with the best players on your team. So you can we, we, we can uh, chill on the bus talk or, you know, but yeah. So what else do you want to talk about? That was my list. Uh, I think let's get into the busy week that will be. Uh, I am plus one in our predictions. We pushed um, last week. We both said losses. Um, I had a win against Golden State, but that was only if Jeremy played. He didn't play. Uh, but now we Do have. Do you think a- he's like seriously concussed? Because yeah. he's yeah, he's he's out. Like they're I mean, really quick with. The I also think that the NBA is probably better at this than the NFL. <laughs> Yeah, but like I'm not used to seeing injury reports on the Blazers a full 24 hours before they play saying Jeremy's out. Like so this one this isn't this is a all concussions are serious but this is like a this was a bad one. So Monday tonight against the Los Angeles Clippers, uh it is a rematch of opening night in LA where Portland lost by 12, game that was not that close. Both teams look a little bit differently. Uh, mm-hmm. James Harden is now in the starting role for the Clippers. And um, Scoot Henderson will not be starting for the Blazers. They will probably go with uh, their regular lineup. Probably Sands, Jeremy Grant. Um, do you have word on DeAndre Ayton for this game, Sage? Look, let's me look. Honestly, let's look. He still has it's a game time decision as of right this second, but a game time decision that doesn't look likely. So we can assume that both of them are out. I think rebounding the basketball is is going to be key, especially if you're going up against uh, Zubac, um, who was just he's like Yaga Pertle. The dude just always gives Portland fits. Um, the Blazers need to limit the Clippers to just one offensive possession. Mm. They've got too much firepower. I know it hasn't really worked for the Clippers uh, yet. There's still time for the Clippers, but you know they're they're ninth right now. They they have won three in a row. They are seven and three at home, but they're just eleven and ten on the season. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the game where both teams are coming off of some time off from the in season tournament. I expect it to be pretty competitive. Um, it's just a quick one-game road trip. I, I think Portland wants to play a little bit better from the jump than they did against the Dallas Mavericks. You know, getting behind and not being able to to do much uh, about that. It's hard to say the Blazers are going to win this one just when you no. look at it on paper. But the, the the Clippers, they're just are they too old? Possibly. There's just there's not a lot of chemistry there. And if if you can, make I mean, them- James Harden coming in. Is gonna fuck up your rot- your rotations one and like the roles too, like this is the li- the fewest possessions I've seen James Harden, you know, control. Like he's at 
he's at a shade and sharp level of usage rate. And I've never seen that. And then he's not, he's being so inconsistent with his offense that it, it's just duds all around. So right now, uh, Paul George has been the alpha and then Kawhi has been the secondary. And then James has got kind of just been taken for a ride with those two. So I, I, I without Jeremy Grant, how are we defending Kawhi and Paul George for long stretches? I don't want our offense to have Matisse and uh, Tumani in it for, for long stretches because I offensively they don't give us enough. And then, Paul George. I mean, is that's what you're probably going to have to see, though, right? Yeah. And you're going to have to hope that Ant and Shaden have have great nights. I do like our guards against their guards, whether it's Russ, whether it's Terrence Trey, Mann, James yeah. Harden. I, I'm not. I, I like what we can do. Um, I think PG and Kawhi have lost a step defensively as well. Uh, and and I hope there is a little bit of motivation for the Blazers. They they frankly got embarrassed on opening night. I, I hope they. They come out swinging, and I think they will. I think this is going to be a similar to game to Golden State, where Portland probably leads, but just down the stretch. They, it, they, Ty Lue and his staff, bro. What's that? Ty Lue and his staff yeah. versus our so, staff is. I I think Paul George, Paul George will probably have the, the biggest night of the Clippers' big four. Uh, he's had a good season so far, but I've got the Clippers winning. What about yeah, you? Yeah, I do too. I'm, I mean, Ty Lue and the Clippers staff is probably top three in the league, and we're bottom thirty. So it, it it it's not a good look for us to coaching wise. Next up is the Utah Jazz on the 14th Thursday in Portland. A game we will be attending uh, the fourth and final meeting against the Jazz. It feels like we're playing Utah every week in this early season. Uh, Utah is seven and fifteen. They've won just one more game than the Blazers. They are one and ten away from Salt Lake City, and I expect that trend to continue. This historically has been a home dominated series i think portland's going to get it done i don't care if lowry markin playing i don't care if deandre's playing i don't care if jeremy's playing the blazers beat the jazz in portland and i really want to see the young players for utah and how they match up with our young players taylor hendricks starting to get some run mm-hmm. for them clearly keontae george the the rookie out of baylor is, is starting for for utah and you know we've got our own uh young point guard scoot henderson um yeah is not a point guard Ochai Abaji, like there's just a lot of young talent on both walker kessler there's just a lot of young talent on both sides of the ball um we kind of let one slip away in utah um last game i think i clearly i think we get it done um i want to see more attacks on kessler at the rim you know shaden and tumani got him back-to-back possessions you got to stay aggressive and attack Utah's bigs, get them in foul trouble. Um, has he been starting or has it been uh Kessler has not been seven? Kessler has not been starting, yeah. So that's got to change finishing. eventually because your seven's not that great, but yeah, I, I, I our, our role players are going to be play, playing better at home. Um, Keontae has not provided a lot of playmaking for the jazz so they're really really just uh at a huge negative advantage on playmaking so i'm gonna go the blazers as well but i think it's gonna be closer than one would think the, i mean it's division rivals you you want to play well against them so i think the blazers win but i think it's like you know a six point game instead of a blowout digit victory all right uh, and then to wrap up the week, uh, a rare back-to-back home-and-home Saturday-Sunday against teams Portland just saw, the Dallas Mavericks and Golden State Warriors. Oh, 
it doesn't look like Kyrie Irving will make that trip for uh, the Dallas Mavericks, but Luka Doncic is Luka Doncic. And yeah, he's pretty fucking awesome. Now that he has a, a lob partner and Derek Lively, Tim Hardaway's back hitting threes. Uh, Grant Williams has been a nice addition to mm-hmm. that roster. Uh, the Mavericks on the season are third in the West. They are 13 and eight, seven and four away from uh, Big D. And I just, until if, if this is one of those games, like Luca is like the West Coast version of Giannis. Like, I'm always going to pick those players against Portland. Like, until we can solve that Luca or Giannis the Luka Rubik's, problem. Yeah, I get that it. Rubik's Cube. Like, do they play before? I just don't know what you do with them. Hmm? Do they they play the Timberwolves before? Oh no. 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 Shit. Yeah, I'm gonna go Dallas because there's no reason why Luca wouldn't play this game. <laughs> um we we just really he's so dynamic and so good that we don't really have a way to stop him. And his role players are actually playing well right now. Like Lively's putting up numbers he wished at Duke. Um yeah, that this team's running on all cylinders, so I'm I'm gonna go Blazers lost against Dallas. Luca's just there's no way we can stop him, especially with his teammates playing well. Last game of the week, the Golden State Warriors in what will be, I think, a really this would be a fun atmosphere in, in Portland. It is one of the final games before the Christmas holiday. Um the Warriors always bring a good crowd. You've got a hotly contested matchup that you just played this past week. This is a, a Warriors team. This isn't your your father's Warriors, so to speak. You know, Steph is still playing at an elite level, but you mentioned Wiggins being one of the worst players this year. Clay is in the worst shooting slump of his career. Uh, Draymond is pretty much nothing but a meme at this point. Chris Paul's been in and out of the lineup. They have been getting good production from rookie Brandon Podjemski and from third-year player Moses Moody. Jonathan Kaminga just can't seem to, he's he's like Steve Kerr's version of Nasir Little. Like he just keeps pulling him in and out of the lineup mm. um, despite pretty good production. He had a great fourth quarter against. He did. Us. He was fabulous. Yeah. I mean, I mean was, we do, we don't have the hor- we don't have the size and the horses to, to stop him when he wants to rim run and create havoc. But this is a game that I. I'm going to call my shot. I, I thought Portland would win last time. I think Jeremy's going to be back by then. This is a game Portland, you especially want to stick it to the Warriors. You get their pick. You want them to lose. Um, that game probably leaves a bad taste in your mouth. I think Golden State attempted more than double Portland's free throws. Uh, everyone in a Portland jersey was in foul trouble that game. Um, I think you want this one. I think you get this one. Uh, Reese had a really good impact as well as the pick and pop big. Um, I think the Blazer bench will, will carry us. I think you're going to get good production from Matisse, from Chris Murray, from Reith, and Jabari and and, and Scoot. Scoot. Like I think I, the Blazer bench is going to like they're they're bound for a breakout game as a collective unit. Shaden got any freaking look he wanted against, and that we're assuming defense. The four and five are healthy. Yeah, like I, I yeah, absolutely. The four and the five will be healthy, and like he's just like. I want to see the team make Shaden a priority in this game because Golden State historically is one of the better defenses in the league. 
Shaden was getting every single look that he wanted, but at, at every level, like the the one play that steps out in my mind, sticks out in my mind. Fourth quarter, he gets the ball in the wing, away from the bench, and he just takes it in, in ease, blows by Draymond, sidesteps another defender, and just you know euros it in. Like it just mm. the most easy peasy, you know, Sunday morning drive and. It just looked like it was uh, tailor made for for Shaden, and of all of the players, like Anthony's the better scorer, but Shaden gets looks off much easier. Like he just he's he's bigger, he can jump higher, he, he's stronger. Like I think still he's uh, less averse to going to the to the rack, and you know. I, I think this could be a really big Shaden night. Um, well, he was I, just finishing over the Warriors guys, he was finishing like, over and through yeah, and around. Yeah. Like it was, it was arguably the most enjoyable Blazer game to watch. Like because you obviously they didn't win, but when you put into context, you're without Jeremy and Da. You're playing on the road. You're playing maybe one of the better teams historically over the past decade. You were taking it to them, like, and you were getting. I think a little hosed on some of these calls and you were still the aggressors taking it to them. Like I was, that was one of the most enjoyable rewatches that I've, you know, I was looking forward to that game. Mm. I'm, I, I'm hoping for a similar performance this time. We, we just, we get the victory. So I think the Blazers go two and two this week with wins over Utah and golden state. I don't know, man. Like I feel like the players are going to put in their all, but if they want to lay, let Seth Curry be on an Island, that's not a good schematic idea. It, it It's going to be a very close game, I think. Very close. I think I'm going to go with the Warriors for a win, but I think it's going to be very close. Both teams are going to play really hard. I mean, it's almost Christmas break for them, so I, I, I definitely uh, could see the Warriors putting an emphasis on this win because they need to win games to be in the playoffs. So I'm going to go Warriors. Uh, so we go one and three this week, I think. So um, ready to wrap this one up. Let's wrap this bad boy up. All right. So we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. We are absolutely there. Um, check us out on our YouTube for the full video version of this podcast. And then check us out on IG, TikTok, um, all of the places for some clips of this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And we are out of here. I will talk to y'all later, Bruce. Later. Later.